Welcome to the Inside Scoop, everything you need to know for your student to succeed in the Cobb County School District. I'm David Owen. Tell your friends they can find this podcast on their favorite podcast platform just by searching for Cobb and the Inside Scoop podcast. They might like having this resource for them and their students. Cobb strives to make sure that every student is college and career ready. Regardless of the direction they choose, one thing is essential to just about everything encountered in life, and that's literacy. Here to discuss Cobb's efforts to ensure all students are properly equipped in this area of life are Liz Cobia, Cobb's Supervisor of English Language Arts, and Dr. Ashley Kennedy, the Supervisor of Early Learning. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Now, let's go at the 30,000-foot level uh, to start with. We talked about how important it is, but exactly what are we talking about when we say literacy? So that's a great question. I think in this context, David, in essence, it's the ability to effectively communicate. And that means through reading, speaking, listening, and writing. And so we know once those foundational skills are in place, then the sky is the limit for students. And so our commitment is to hit that very early on in Cobb. We know um, research from the Annie E. Casey Foundation says that students that are not reading on grade level by third grade are four times more likely to drop out of high school. Oh, my gosh. Four times. Four times. And so, and even though we may be able to fill those gaps after third grade, it becomes more increasingly difficult to do that. So we believe early intervention is the key to supporting students reading on grade level, particularly by third grade. Okay, so if a parent couple are wanting the best for their child, as as I'm sure we all do, what is the earliest time that parents really need to start paying attention to literacy in their child's life? Great question. In utero would be the answer. In utero? Yes. We know that the moment that a child's brain begins developing, language pathways are being established. The most rapid time of development for a child is birth to age eight. And so we want families to be thinking about um, reading to their baby, talking to their baby, singing to their baby, infant, newborn, um, or toddler every day. Um, It's never too early um, to start that process. Okay, so uh, when you said in utero, uh, first of all, I've, you know, my jaw was on the floor, and it, it <laughs> brings to mind the, uh, you know, the picture of somebody uh, speaking to a, a pregnant woman's belly. Yeah, frankly, yeah. you're saying that's that actually is, helpful. That is very helpful. Um, the brain is. The brain connection, we think about all of the neuron connections that are happening um, for a young child at that time. Mm-hmm. The more language, nutrition that is present, whether it's in a mother's belly or the moment that they take that, that newborn home, it's going to be beneficial for the child. Um, we know that it's highly connected to phonological awareness. A family is actually tuning their baby's ears when they're talking to them and singing to them or telling them nursery rhymes that are, gonna, that's, that are going to support them with reading experiences. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So just recognizing the, the child recognizing the parent's voice is step Absolutely. one. Absolutely. The parent's voice, a family's voice, a sibling's voice, a grandparent's voice, any, any, any language that is that they're immersed in. So I've also heard the term balanced literacy instruction. So what do we mean by balanced? So when we think about balance, it is the balance between reading, speaking, listening, and writing. So we often say reading is breathing in, writing is breathing out. Hmm. And so um, 
if I'm a student and I'm reading something, then more than likely I should be either inspired to write about that text or about a topic around that text. So um, using reading as a springboard to support writing is really at the core of balanced literacy instruction. Foundational skills are a part of that as well. So when we talk about phonics, uh-huh. as Ashley just mentioned, uh, that is a part of that balanced literacy classroom. But there is a strong connection, as I said, between reading, speaking, listening, and writing. And I love what you said about just reminding us that reading is breathing in and writing is breathing out. A great way that that families can can model this at home with their infant, toddler, or child would be to consider, do we have a reading and a writing space in our home that we consistently use um, with one another? Like a, a quiet corner somewhere that uh, right. allows a child to, to focus. And, you know, Ashley, when you mentioned that, I'm thinking about the early writing experiences of pictures and drawing. And so is there an opportunity? Do students have access to crayons, coloring books, anything to really build that initial fine motor skills of actually holding a writing utensil? Is well, key. this is interesting because I'm when somebody says a child with crayons, my first thought is, oh, we're in the arena of art. Right. But really what you're talking about is the ability to communicate And uh, some of those more basic things, just holding a writing utensil, whether it be crayon or pencil or what. And our earliest standards talk about, particularly in writing, Uh through drawing and pictures. And so we know initially, and I know Ashley will speak to this, that that's that initial phase of writing because students are connecting the story in their brain with what's actually on the page. And yeah. so we talk about storytelling, that narrative piece, really being at the heart and soul of what it means to grow a strong writer, because that's the ultimate human connection when we think about families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you want to capitalize on that with your child, right, every day. So even if to you it looks like they're scribbling, they're a writer mm-hmm. already. And so, you know, really um, encouraging, encouraging them and inspiring them to take that crayon and scribble all over the, the, whether it's a crayon book or a sheet of paper, maybe you've read something together and now you just want to simply draw about it. We know that for, for early writers, those are the beginning stages that will then lead to, to more fluent writing. Yeah, you hope they don't scribble on the wall. But, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> there is yeah. a, a line here you don't cross. But knowing that that's developmentally appropriate, so if we have uh-huh. the paper around, but that, that, that is part of our human nature of expression. And so that yeah. is part of literacy when we think about communication is just innate want to express ourselves. Yeah, whether they necessarily have the vocabulary to support that, Correct. that's a different level. But just being able to get something out that makes a connection. That's that's cool. Absolutely, because what you'll find with your child is that eventually that scribble or that drawing that they can interpret very well, they'll begin to use their own language to tell you what they've written or what they've drawn. Very interesting. So the ability to begin writing things on their own and maybe even picking up a book on their own, can you give us some ideas of what resources do parents have to help develop that in their child? So Ready, Set, Read is an initiative where Cobb educators like ourselves and Wellstar pediatricians have partnered to focus on 
arming parents with the resources and skills that they need to support their child. You can visit the website and view videos that talk about different the, the, the different developmental stages and what you should be doing at that time. For mm-hmm. example, what you should be doing with a newborn versus a 24-month. Oh, that's old. huge. It's different, right? Yeah. Um, as well as books that are suggested. Um, you can hear books read aloud to you via, um, via the internet. There are links available to you. And then we also have um, postcards that are available as well to give parents just very quick practical tips on um, ways to increase language uh, nutrition in the home. So back to Liz's point about book handling, that is an essential skill, right? How to identify the spine of a book? What does the author of a book do? What does the illustrator of the book do? Having books that can go on the bathtub, right? Having board books that a child, um, an infant can chew. Can We want to engage the five <laughs> senses, right? Like that is developmentally appropriate for a child. And we know that it's very beneficial with yeah. them understanding how books work in their world. And they have a lot of fiber, too, as I understand. (laughs) (laughs) What uh, now you use that phrase language nutrition. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So you're saying that providing the nutrients, so to speak, for developing that literacy, that language capability is just as important as eating in some regards. Is that the implication? I would say so. Um, And Liz, I I don't know if you want to add here, but for me, I think about language nutrition and its connectedness to a child's well-being, right? Being able to express myself, being able to think about situations where I need to problem solve. These are all um, nutrients, if you will, that I'm gaining from very rich reading and writing experiences that start in the home. Yeah, absolutely. We know that students that hear more words before they come to school, they're more likely to be more successful when we think about communication, reading, speaking, listening, and writing. So you'll often hear about the million word gap where students that hear fewer words in the household oftentimes strive more towards acquiring what we would think about as formalized literacy experiences. So just the the speaking and listening piece is critical. That's pretty insightful. Parents desiring a nice, quiet home <laughs> right. <laughs> where the kids are not uh, uh, not constantly talking. Uh, I can identify with that. But that's not necessarily the best thing for the child is what I'm hearing you say. Uh, having a lot of conversations, not just words, but conversations, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking about the print aspect too. So it's funny to hear you say a quiet house, right? What if there are objects around the home that are labeled and it becomes what we do on a daily basis? We point out the couch, a refrigerator, a table, a door, but they're actually labeled with the word and an image. That's another <laughs> great example, a practical example of, of a language yeah. nutritious Ashley, uh, home, home environment. Are, is your furniture labeled oh, at home? Right. It is not labeled. Yeah, it will be labeled soon. <laughs> Carter just turned two, so that's the next step for us. That must be an interesting household to visit. So what are we doing as a school district to ensure that our students are actually reading on or even above grade level? How are we getting there? That seems like a huge lift. So I I think step one is supporting teachers Uh with professional learning is key. So we have a systematic process for that. You know, I often use the the analogy that, you know, my, my father, although he's okay now, has suffered some some heart 
trouble. And so mm. I always tell teachers, I would not want the doctor at Emory who has been working with him to have never attended any professional learning um, <laughs> since he graduated from college. And so I think yeah. we treat our teachers in the same way and supporting them to ensure that they are the best at what they do. So when yeah. we talk about Cobb being the best place to lead, teach, and learn, that's it. Professional learning is really our starting point. Well, and systematic, right, systematic, as you said, yeah. which it's all linked back to that K-12 commitment. Yeah. And that also uh, comes to my mind. Uh, we've done a podcast on this in the past, the CTLS uh, Teach system. I yeah. think it's called. So CTLS Teach, really we started with CTLS Assess, which uh -huh. really supports uh, that ongoing monitoring. Yeah, trying uh, to understand where students are right. in the moment. You kind right? of diagnose, right? And, and by the way, uh, audience members, if you have not heard that podcast, CTLS stands for Cobb Teaching and Learning System. This is a development that Cobb initiated that is incredibly, and more and more so, influential in getting our students where they need to be and beyond that. So I'm sorry I had to take no. that sidecar there, but uh, go ahead and pick it up from no, there. No, thank you for mentioning CTLS Teach because in conjunction with the professional learning, the face-to-face -face professional learning, uh -huh. providing teachers with the resources in a digital kind of, we'll often say a one-stop shop, right? Uh -huh. um, with resources around balanced literacy for reading, supporting strong reading, speaking, listening, writing practices um, is our commitment to teachers as well. And then coming soon. Yeah, I'm glad that you, that little segue, yeah. CTLS Parent, which we are thrilled mm -hmm. uh, to have the opportunity to be able to serve our parent families and communities uh, through CTLS. The, the hope is that I can speak for my department um, specifically that the family workshop series that we're creating for schools and school communities can then be housed there for families to have access to. So when we think about strategies for self-regulation, uh, problem solving with early learners, fine motor skill development, um, attentiveness strategies for your to consider with your child, families will have access to that so that the mm -hmm. same strategies that teachers are using um, families can be using at home. What really excites me most about uh, CTLS Parent is that if I'm a, a family and I have a first or second grader or maybe even a sixth grader, but I also have a, an infant or a toddler at home, I can go to a place where I can use strategies for that child as well. So as it's, well. it's not just for that K-12, it's for beforehand as well. That is now, the, That will be the goal, yeah. The goal will be to provide a structure that families can count on. Mm -hmm. Right. So whether your child is a Cobb County student or you have a future, if you will, um, Cobb County student in your home, a, a toddler, and you want to ensure that you're that you're providing strategies or engaging with that child in the appropriate manner. And to that end, let's say that uh, a family isn't necessarily technologically savvy. And they want to be able to go to the library for whatever reason. What resources can we offer that particular family? Cobb parents can help their students access the library simply through their student number. So the Cobb County Public Library System has partnered with Cobb County Public Schools. So there is this um, synergy between the mm -hmm. student number and then parents being able to take students to the library. Okay, so what other resources do we have that might be available to uh, families here in, in Cobb? 
So the Georgia Early Education Alliance for Students, also known as GEARS, is a great website that families can visit. It's one that I rely on quite a bit as I'm looking for the most current research or just strategies, very practical strategies to consider for early learners. Ashley, what do you think is one of the greatest ways that parents can ensure or help our children develop a greater level of literacy in the earliest years? I think it's simply to develop an early love for learning. And that's Mm. all learning, right? So thinking about language, early numeracy, general knowledge. Our environment today is very print rich in nature. So capitalizing Mm. on every single moment with your infant, toddler, or child to ensure that it's a very joyous experience, right? So that might happen through play. It might happen through music. It may happen through reading. But if that component is or characteristic is evident every day for your child, Mm. um, I think that's key. In terms of keeping it fun, right? The joy. We want all of those early experiences for a child to feel good, right? We don't want it to feel stressful. Um, It shouldn't be full of anxiety. It should simply be joyous um, for a child. And and our hope is that that naturally translates over into the school context. And so maybe read after the child reads through a a short book, ask them one or two fun questions about what they experienced. Absolutely. Or or create a song, right? Or maybe there's a movement Mm -hmm. that we want to connect to this book or a character in this book or that way it's that reminder for that child. It's really about a connection, David. Mm. And, you know, it goes back to families and parents being a child's first teacher and the yeah. most important teacher. That's that's very true. Now, Liz, earlier you were talking about students who are literate by the age of grade three being four times more likely to graduate than other students. What can parents do to help ensure that that continues, that level of literacy continues past grade three? So I think making sure that students are reading at home. We know the 20 Uh minutes a day is really the sweet spot when we think about supporting students as they move through the upper grades. So time for independent reading, books that are of their choice. Uh And we just want them, the more they read, the better they'll read. We often say that the best intervention is a good book. And so engaging text, et cetera, and then modeling that reading. So maybe you're reading together as a family, whether that be magazines or books or maybe you're talking about what you're reading, the newspaper, um, Mm -hmm. but just that ongoing space and place for what we often say, eyes on print. Yeah. Right. We know that we live in a digital world. So, you know, is there a time to put the devices down mm-hmm. and really pick up a book? Even listening to books mm-hmm. as well. So just that space to engage an interest and story and could be nonfiction as well, just to mm-hmm. explore uh, that time for it. particularly third through 12th grade. Students are really beginning to develop their interest around the world and what they think they might want to do in college or in career. Mm-hmm. And so can we provide them with opportunities and support them at home? doing that. That's a really good point. By their reading, they're learning more about how the world operates. And that opens doors to, hey, maybe I could be that person in life yeah, or, right. or what have you. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. Yeah. This, this is very insightful. You had something else you want to? Well, do they see themselves in the books they read too? Mm. So we talk about that, yeah. that, you know, our books mirrors to students, you know, can they see themselves, but are they also windows? Can they access, as you just said, other worlds or experiences through the text that yeah. they read? Get that imagination going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's fantastic. We've been listening to Liz Cobia, Cobb's Supervisor of English Language Arts, and Dr. Ashley Kennedy, the Supervisor of Early Learning. Thank you both for coming by. This has been very insightful. Thanks so much, David. You can learn more about Cobb School's commitment to literacy by visiting the district website at www.cobbk12.org, select departments, then academics. And there you'll find instruction and innovative practice as one of your options. You just click on that and you've got a launching point to a whole lot of information about literacy. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Inside Scoop, a podcast produced by the Cobb County School District.